You know, some people enjoy composing their own music, chord by chord, and others are happiest when they come across that one perfect song. Work is not a lot different than that. Whether you prefer building your own workflow or using a pre-made template, with Monday.com, you and the team can work in a way that's comfortable for everyone. Tap the banner to go to Monday.com and build your own amazing workflow or find an awesome template. No judgment. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. This episode of Intelligence Squared US is brought to you by The Great Courses Plus, where you can learn anything that interests you anytime. The Great Courses Plus is giving Intelligence Squared listeners the chance to watch their popular course, Argumentation, the Study of Effective Reasoning, and hundreds of other courses for free. Just go to greatcoursesplus.com slash intelligence. This episode of Intelligence Squared US is also brought to you by Squarespace. Whether you need a landing page, a beautiful gallery, a professional blog, or an online store, it's all included in your Squarespace website. Start your free trial today at squarespace.com and enter offer code Intelligence Squared to get 10% off your first purchase. So a wealthy American who likes to hunt goes to Africa and shoots and kills an endangered animal, a lion, say, or a black rhino. And it is legal because he has a license, one that he paid thousands or even tens or hundreds of thousands for. But sometimes when word gets out about the kill, outrage follows. The hunter is severely criticized by animal rights activists and by some environmentalists who condemn the act, insisting that animals need to be protected, not hunted, But wait, some hunters say, we are the good guys here. Our sport, as they call it, is the best thing that has ever happened to wild animals. We hunters are history's first true conservationists, and still it's most effective. Not just the millionaires who are trophy hunting in Africa, but also the deer and the duck hunters in the United States from Maine to Montana. Hunters conserve wildlife, they argue. So what about that? Well, that sounds like the makings of a good debate, so let's have it. Yes or no to this statement. Hunters conserve wildlife. A debate from Intelligence Squared U.S. I'm John Donvan. We are at the Kaufman Music Center in New York with four superbly qualified debaters who will argue for and against this motion, Hunters Conserve Wildlife. As always, our debate will go in three rounds, and then our live audience here in New York votes to choose the winner, and only one side wins. Let's meet our debaters first. Please, ladies and gentlemen, welcome Anthony Licata. Anthony, welcome to Intelligence Squared. Thanks for having me. You're you're editor-in-chief of Field and Stream magazine. That has an audience of more than 9 million hunters and fishermen. You yourself have been hunting since you were 10 years old. You took a trip out to Alaska on a black bear hunt. You did not come back with a bear. So 
What made it so memorable for you? Uh, hunting is about a lot more than just taking an animal. On that trip to Alaska, I absolutely fell in love with Southeast Alaska, and that's what made it so memorable. Thank you, Anthony. And tell us who is your partner in this debate. My partner is Catherine Semser. Catherine, welcome to Intelligence Squared. And Catherine Semser, you are uh, Chief Operating Officer of Humanitarian Operations Protecting Elephants. That's an NGO that works with governments and other organizations to fight against poaching in Africa. And it seems like every time a controversy comes up involving trophy hunting, people tend to conflate um, legal hunting and what is called poaching. So in a couple of sentences, educate us. What's the difference between legal hunting and poaching? Sure. A hunter is someone who pays a fee to pursue game within the context of a conservation program that has government oversight. A poacher, in contrast, is an outlaw who illegally kills game to supply illicit markets around the world. The key difference is that hunters support conservation programs and poachers actively undermine them. Okay. A topic we'll be coming back to. And thank you. And this is the team arguing for the motion, Hunters Can Serve Wildlife. And we have two debaters arguing against the motion. First, let's welcome Wayne Pacelli. Wayne, you are president. You are also CEO of the Humane Society of the United States. That is an animal advocacy organization that provides direct care to more than 150,000 animals every year. Uh, You've always loved animals, but in your youth, apparently, I understand your knowledge was encyclopedic, literally. (laughs) Well, it was. I I had all of the encyclopedias, some old Britannica encyclopedias, dog-eared to all of the animal entries, the polar bears and the pronghorns and all the other animals. So I couldn't get enough information when I was a kid about animals. All right. Thanks, Wayne Paselli. And who is your partner? My good friend, Adam Roberts. Glad to have him here. Adam Roberts, welcome to Intelligence Squared. You are CEO of Born Free USA and Born Free Foundation. Those are organizations that work toward protecting wildlife in natural habitats. Uh, Your organization helped uh, sponsor a law um, under the Endangered Species Act, a change in the law that protects lions as of 2016. What does that protection mean? Does that mean that lions will never be hunted? No, really, it's, it's not the end. It's the beginning of lion conservation by ensuring that American trophy hunters don't play a part in the ongoing demise of the species. Okay, and again, something that we'll be getting to tonight in our debate, our team arguing against the motion, Hunters Conserve Wildlife. Now we move on to round one. Round one are opening statements by each debater in turn, speaking first in support of the motion, Hunters Conserve Wildlife. Catherine Semser, she is COO of Humanitarian Operations Protecting Elephants, a nonprofit anti-poaching organization. Ladies and gentlemen, Catherine Semser. I think this is going to be an interesting debate because Wayne, Adam, and I agree on a lot. Um, First and foremost, we agree that wildlife is valuable and should be conserved. I think all of you feel the same, otherwise you wouldn't be here this evening. Wayne and I agree that factory farming is bad for people, animals, and the environment. And Adam's organization, Born Free, just recently joined the International Union for Conservation of Nature, uh, which I also serve as a volunteer. It's the largest network of conservation professionals in the world, so... Anthony and I are not zealots, we're not absolutists, we're realists. And that realism, along with our personal experience, is what leads us to the position that hunters conserve wildlife. We're going to share with you stories from Africa's poaching wars. We're going to talk about the success of the North American model of wildlife conservation. We're going to share figures and realities 
that we have gained through boots-on-the-ground experience working with lions, elephants, Cape buffalo, sable, in places where photo tourists will not go because they're what we call a non-permissive environment, places that are dangerous, remote. But hunters will go there, and hunters are the ones who are conserving these places. But let's take a step back. Let's get a definition of conservation. The International Union for Conservation of Nature that I mentioned previously, that I serve, that Adam's organization is a part of, they define conservation as, and I'm going to read here because I want to make sure that we get this right. Conservation is the protection, care, management, and maintenance of ecosystems, habitats, species, and populations within or outside of their natural environments in order to safeguard the natural conditions for their long-term permanence. Because of this definition, a scientific consensus has emerged through the IUCN, the largest network of conservation scientists in the world. There is a consensus that hunters conserve wildlife. The IUCN just recently sent a briefing paper to the European Parliament that was influential in convincing that parliament not to adopt trade bans that would interfere with African hunting programs. Now, you'll always find scientists on the fringe who are willing to say that's not true, who are willing to buck the consensus. Climate change deniers do this all the time. But for those of us who care about wildlife, we should listen to the consensus that hunters are an indispensable part of the conservation ecosystem. And this isn't to say that we're the only part. We need bird watchers as much as we need duck hunters. This isn't an either-or question. This is about a holistic, sustainable approach to wildlife conservation that Anthony, myself, and the people who Hope serves are grateful to be a part of because we want to pass down a rich natural heritage that's filled with elephants, sable, cape buffalo, wolves, grizzly bears, white-tailed deer. And for all the reasons I just said, you should vote in favor of the motion, Hunters Conserve Wildlife. Thank you. Thank you, Catherine Semser. And that's the motion, Hunters Conserve Wildlife. And here is our first debater to speak against the motion. He's Wayne Pacelli, president and CEO of the Humane Society of the United States and author of the book, The Humane Economy. Hunters conserve wildlife. Uh, That is a gross overstatement. It's really a bromide. It's something that's been repeated decade after decade, and there's very little evidence to support it at this time. You know, when you think about the United States, two billion acres is the land mass of this country. 700 million acres is owned by the federal government. Just two or three percent of that land has been purchased as a consequence of hunting-oriented programs like duck stamps or the federal Pittman-Robertson Act, which sets aside money. It's a tax on guns and ammunition. Actually, all gun owners and ammunition buyers, not just hunters. There are many more people who have guns in the world than have uh, an interest in hunting. When we really think about conservation, when we think about protecting land, saving threatened and endangered species, Preserving ecosystems, 
Let's think about some of the things that are the collateral effects of hunting. Hunters are one of the biggest sources of lead dispersed into the environment. Now we have copper shot, we have bismuth, we have steel. All of these forms of shot can be used by hunters. But we're putting millions of pounds of lead into the environment that's poisoning 15 to 20 million animals a year. We have captive hunts that are tolerated by the NRA and the Safari Club International and other organizations in this field where exotic animals are stocked in fenced areas and shot for a fee. And many of these exotic species that they're shooting in the United States have escaped and they're colonizing our habitats. That's the reason we have wild boars in so many parts of the country that are degrading landscapes and are considered a nuisance by federal land managers and state uh, wildlife managers. We have this safari club program globally. You want to get uh, the Africa Big Five Award? You shoot a lion, a leopard, a rhino, an elephant, and a Cape buffalo. You want to get the Cats of the World uh, Award? You shoot five of the big cats. I mean, these folks are going after some of the rarest animals in the world. The idea of hunting as conservation, you know, it sounds like a wonderful slogan. But what are the details? What are the specific terms? Because they pay hunting license fees? Because they buy a duck stamp? Well, the oil companies are taxed under the Land and Water Conservation Fund, and some of that money goes to protect habitat. Do we think of the oil companies and the gas companies as leading wildlife and land protectors? No. It just happens to be that they're taxed because there are costs to the enterprise. And much of the money that is used you know, for those purposes goes to just maintain the hunting programs in a quasi-agricultural program to provide more deer and more game animals for hunters to shoot. When the reality is there are dozens and dozens of other species that desperately need our attention. But the idea that hunting is conservation, that's not why anybody goes out into the woods when they want to kill an animal. Thank you very much. Thank you, Wayne Castelli. I'm John Donvan. Round one of this Intelligence Squared U.S. debate continues in just a moment. We all know that learning doesn't stop when we leave school. That's the motivation behind the new video learning service, The Great Courses Plus. Learn about anything that interests you anytime you want from engaging professionals. With The Great Courses Plus, you'll have unlimited access to stream a huge library of The Great Courses lecture series in hundreds of fascinating topics, including history, psychology, art, music, and so much more. And now, The Great Courses Plus is giving Intelligence Square listeners the opportunity to watch their popular course, Argumentation, The Study of Effective Reasoning, and hundreds of other courses for free. Watch Argumentation, The Study of Effective reasoning, to gain wonderful tools to construct a product argument, creating opportunities for compromise, deliberation, and mutual understanding, all while drawing from historical examples from influential leaders like JFK, FDR, Martin Luther King Jr., and more. With The Great Courses Plus, you can stream as many different lectures as you want, anytime, anywhere. So start watching today. You can stream hundreds of their courses, including argumentation, a $215 value for free. So go to thegreatcoursesplus.com slash intelligence. That's thegreatcoursesplus.com slash intelligence. And a reminder of what's going on. We are halfway through the opening round of this Intelligence Squared U.S. debate. I'm John Donvan. We have four debaters, two teams of two, fighting it out over this motion, Hunters Conserve Wildlife. You've heard from the first two debaters, and now on to the third, debating for the motion, Hunters Conserve Wildlife, Anthony Licata. 
He is editor-in-chief of Field and Stream magazine and editorial director of the men's group at the Bonnier Corporation. Ladies and gentlemen, Anthony Licata. At the turn of the 20th century, habitat loss and market hunting had had our species at the point of extinction. Around this time, concerned hunters, including the editors of Field and Stream and New Yorker Theodore Roosevelt, pushed to set game laws, base wildlife management on science, and make it managed by the public. The principles that form this are called the North American Wildlife Model. It still drives much of what we do for a simple reason. It works. The system is not perfect, but there is no other form of wildlife management that has the results that this model has had. Hunting is at the center of this story. It's a tool for managing wildlife, but it also makes hunters a powerful tool and supporters of wildlife. But let's talk about numbers. Hunters provide 80% of the funding to fish and game wildlife agencies. There's about 37 million hunters in the United States, and every single one of them contributes. All told, sportsmen contribute a billion dollars a year to wildlife conservation. The first source of these funds are through hunting licenses. These monies go directly to the state that sold them, and these dollars can only be used for wildlife management and conservation. Wayne explained Pittman-Robertson. This is that excise tax on sales and ammunition. Something to know here is that this law was advocated for, lobbied, supported by hunters, voluntarily. It has generated more than $12 billion for state wildlife management and conservation. Of those funds, 62% are used to buy, develop, and maintain wildlife habitat. Since the act became law, the states have purchased about 4 million acres of wildlife habitat, and an additional 40 million acres are managed under agreements with private landowners. The U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service uh, credits Pittman-Robertson with rebuilding these populations of these animals and extending the ranges from wild turkey, white-tailed deer, mule deer, elk, black bear, bobcat, mountain lions. Non-game benefits as well. It's not just about hunters having more. Here in New York State, there's efforts in the Albany Pine Bush area to protect the endangered Carner Blue Butterfly. This is a butterfly so rare that even the loss of a few could be uh, devastating to the population. A third component is the federal duck stamp. Again, this was, this was an idea made by hunters, lobbied by hunters, supported by hunters. It's generated $800 million in money for wetland conservation since its introduction with 98 cents of every dollar going to purchase wetlands or acquire easements that feed into the National Wildlife Refuge System that we can all enjoy. A fourth source of hunter-generated income comes from the many nonprofit hunter-run conservation groups. What's important to note here is that these groups and all this money is all driven by people's love of hunting. They love the sports, they love the animals, they love the places. It's their desire to preserve these species, to preserve these places that drive all these efforts. When you consider these facts, this history, the billions, literally billions of dollars raised by Hunters for Conservation, the millions of acres preserved, the hundreds of species that have benefited, I think it's clear that hunting plays a very critical role in wildlife conservation. Thank you, Anthony Licata. And here is our final debater. He will be speaking against the motion. That's Adam Roberts. He is CEO of Born Free USA and Born Free Foundation. Ladies and gentlemen, Adam Roberts. 
trust us. That is what they're really telling you. Trust us that politically we have the wherewithal in countries around the world to ensure that hunting quotas are set by potentially corrupt governments sustainably to ensure that it's based on the sound scientific evidence and biology to ensure that no animal is ever overhunted. Trust us that economically the revenue that's generated by every hunting license, every fee that's paid, is actually going to go back into local communities, back into conservation, on the ground where it matters most. And trust us that as hunters we are always going to be sportsmen and women who are ethical and do what is right by animals and never overhunt, never take too many. If you can consider politically, legally, economically, reproductive biology and logic all dictate that hunters conserve wildlife, then yes, you have to vote in the affirmative. But I think what Wayne and I are showing today is that that is a folly. And we have to take a slightly global view when we look at these things. So let's look at them one at a time. Politically, we have a regime in Zimbabwe, a very pro-hunting nation, where legal hunters are going with their permit to kill animals. You're having rhinos being poached for their horn, elephants being poached for their ivory, and those products being shipped off to Asia. In Tanzania, you have the absolute decimation of lions, the bastion of the country because of overhunting. So politically, the deck is stacked against animals. Legally, Conservation International has done a study in which they show that you have Vietnamese poachers going into South Africa to take back the rhino horn because that's not commercial trade, that's a trophy. And they're taking that trophy back and it's finding its way into the black market. Legally, the deck is stacked against animals when we look at trophies. But economically is perhaps the most interesting argument of all, because that's the one we hear all too often, that the hunter pays for the privilege of killing animals for sport, and therefore there is an absolute nexus between that payment of money and what happens on the ground. Well, let's look at some facts. Look at wolves in Yellowstone. $35 million generated through ecotourism, more than four times as much as hunting in the same area. Looking at nations in Africa that have both ecotourism and hunting, in no nation that has that condition is more than 0.27, about a quarter percent of the GDP generated from hunting revenue. Of all the tourism revenue combined, only 1.8% is generated from hunting. Now, I'm no mathematician, but that says to me that more than 98% is generated by ecotourism, a drastically different sum. The UN Food and Agriculture Organization and the hunting industry itself has noted that only 3% of hunting revenue actually makes it back to the local communities. The rest of it is held in government coffers and foreign operators. And then biology. We know that in 1980, there were estimated to be 78,500 lions left in Africa. Today, there are fewer than 20,000. And this is a species that for those same three decades were hunted. American trophy hunters taken more than 500 lions on average year after year after year. I encourage you, since we've already talked about the IUCN, to go back and on your old computer, look up the IUCN red list, and look at all the species that are listed as critically endangered, endangered, threatened, near threatened, and see how many of them have as one of the factors threatening those species' survival over hunting. What we see time after time after time is that politically, legally, economically, biologically, and logically, the argument fails. Thank you, Adam Roberts. And that concludes round one of this Intelligence Squared U.S. debate, where our motion is, hunters conserve wildlife. And now we move on to round two. In round two, the debaters address one another directly, and they also take questions from me and from you in our live audience. Our motion is, hunters conserve wildlife. 
The team arguing for the motion, Catherine Semser and Anthony Licata, have argued that their proposition is backed by a scientific consensus, that in fact hunters do conserve wildlife. They look at the history, early 20th century, a time when many animal populations in the United States were on the threat of extinction, and because, they say, of hunter-generated initiatives and laws and financing, many, many species, moose, elk, bear, beaver, wild turkey made a comeback. They say that that is still the system today that is superior to any other. They also argue that it works in Africa. And speaking of Africa, they talk about the fact that ecotourism is not sufficient to raise the funds to preserve wildlife. Hunters will go places, they say, that photo tourists never will. The team arguing against the motion, Wayne Pacelli and Adam Roberts, um, talk about this proposition, Hunters Conserve Wildlife, as a gross overstatement and a folly. They doubt the motives of hunters who claim to be conserving wildlife as their reason for going out there. They say hunters are killing for many, many other reasons and that a minority at most have the concerns, the the welfare of wildlife in mind. They say that the deck is stacked against animals legally, economically, logically, and in many other ways. But they argue that ecotourism is a valid and viable solution for preserving wildlife, conserving wildlife, um, and that hunting just makes no sense uh, in, in any way for them. I want to go to the team arguing against the motion. Your opponents who are arguing that hunters conserve wildlife, as I just mentioned, they make this historical argument that back in the early 20th century, there were in this country, the United States, a number of species who were severely threatened by um, essentially commercial commercial hunting at that time, and that it was the Teddy Roosevelt's and the Boone and Crockett Club and those organizations that fought to preserve laws. Perhaps, as you say, their motives were that they wanted to kill more animals. They wanted those animals to be there, that nevertheless, they succeeded in bringing those populations back. What's your response to that, Wayne Pacelli? The big debates that we have in the United States over legitimate conservation, protecting public lands, preserving endangered species, maintaining healthy ecosystems with the full range of species in it, These guys are on the other side. They are anti-conservationists. There are no big debates in the Congress that you can really describe as central to environmental and ecological protection where the professional hunting lobbyists are, are with us. They're against us. It's great to talk about Teddy Roosevelt, but what about now? Okay, what about now, Adam Licata? Your, your opponent just said that the, the argument you made is essentially out of date. Right now, monies raised by hunters are working to on the wolf conservation programs in Oregon. That's happening right now. Every year, 80% of the wild, state wildlife managers, which they are the ones on the ground, the biologists who have to improve habitat and manage our wildlife populations, Eighty percent of those funds come from hunters. That's happening right now. Okay, so Adam, uh, Adam Robs, your opponent is saying there's a lot going on now, that their model is very effective now. What's your response to that? Well, I think it's very effective if you look at it in a very small microcosm. It's not sustainable. And, and so the problem is this concept is yo-yo conservation. We want wolves to recover in the Great Lakes region only so we can hunt them back again. Right. It's is, not a sustainable is model. That a, is that a fair assessment of, of the position, Catherine Semser, would you say? I, I think absolutely not. And I think you're being really disingenuous, Adam. I mean, you're obfuscating market hunting, people killing predators because they're competing with livestock, with sportsmen. And you know and I know that they are not the same thing. Can you elucidate that a little bit for, for the audience that's not quite up to speed on what you're talking about? So what is, what is I'm it? sorry, I couldn't hear you over the applause. Uh, you, you were. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
Can you elucidate a little bit about what you're talking about? For the, you, you use some terms of art, and we'd like to know what you mean by that. Sure. Sportsmen are people like Anthony and myself, sportswomen. Um, we are the people who hunt legally. We pay into the system. We purchase licenses. We do boots-on-the-ground conservation projects. The cause of lion decline is not sportsmen, and you know this. The cause of lion decline is herdsmen killing lions because they are competing with their livestock. That is in every single document from the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service to the IUCN. But, but that view is invalidated by the fact that the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service just listed them as threatened or endangered. And when they wrote the rulemaking, they said that trophy hunting was one of the causative factors in the decline. Now, there are multiple explanations for the decline of lions. Certainly, herdsmen, habitat loss. But when you're killing, Adam said it was 500 a year, the the last year that it happened was 720 lions out of 20,000 that are surviving. How is that not going to have an effect? It's a great question. How is that not going to have an effect on the population? What the Fish and Wildlife Service has also found is that there are instances in which hunting can benefit lion populations. And it's because we tend to get obsessed on the 1%, the Cecil. We really need from a conservation focus to be focused on the 99%. The money raised by killing one old male lion, that money then gets funneled back into protecting the 99% of the lion population. Conservation is is a resource... Is that the lion that would be targeted? That is the lion that is generally targeted because that lion, if not killed by a hunter who's willing to pay money into the conservation system will be killed by the local villagers. Okay, let's, let's take that scenario to your opponents. So we're not saying that trophy hunting is the only negative impact on lions, but if we're here to decide whether hunters conserve wildlife and there is hunting of lions in Africa and there is this incredible perilous decline of the species toward extinction, the answer has to be no. Hunters are not conserving lions in Africa. If they were, these other factors would potentially be mitigated by the money that's generated, which for lions can be $70,000. Now, if you ask Craig Packer, the eminent lion by biologist what it would take to actually make a measurable impact. He says, not 50000 not 70000 Every lion hunt needs to cost $1 million if you want to have an impact. I think you could put that up at auction at any number of the sportsmen's conventions and people would pay it. Conservation does not come for free. It is a very capital-intensive effort. You know, something we talked a little bit about phototourism and, and ecotourism, and that's great. We need that, too. But the reality is, in Africa, it's not possible everywhere. Yeah, I did want to say just about the, the lions that Botswana just outlawed trophy hunting. There are more lions in Botswana than any other country in Africa. Uh, they outlawed all trophy hunting of these animals. And the wildlife authorities there say, we can make much more money by keeping the living capital there. You can watch a lion 100 times. You can watch a lion 500 times. You can monetize that each time aggregating more dollars for the economy, for rural communities, for the government. You can shoot the animal only once. Okay. The arithmetic so, is so plain to me. When you're talking about watching lions, you're talking about drawing tourists to come see animals, uh, photo safaris, etc. Your opponents are very skeptical that there's enough money in that to, to come up with the kinds of funding that would come close to what hunters are coming up with. So just look at the, the underlying numbers. If you have people paying for wildlife watching concessions and you have millions doing it, and then you have just a few thousand people who want to shoot these animals and, and, and run away with their, their heads and their hides, 
I mean, it's so clear. Look at the numbers. Adam quoted many of the numbers. The trophy hunting concessions in Africa are minuscule compared to wildlife watching, which is why Botswana and Kenya and Rwanda have banned all trophy hunting. Let's take it to... Um Adam, we haven't heard from you in a couple of minutes, and I want to give you a chance to jump in if you like It doesn't to. need to be any, it shouldn't be an either-or thing, especially when you're talking about uh, North America. When you're talking about North America, the problem really is habitat. It's not, um, if certain animals are hunted, you're not going to see them all in North America. Anybody have any trouble seeing white-tailed deer or wild turkey around when you get out of the city? That's not the case at all. You could do both. What causes problems is habitat loss. I think something that's been missing from this debate is the fact that people, human hunters, are natural predators of many game animals. Hunting animals is part of a long, acceptable part of the ecosystem of the natural circle of life. And as long as it's done in a way that is respectful, that benefits not one animal of that species, but the entire species, as a way that lifts up the entire ecosystem, as a way that's done holistic, and to make the world and the habitat stronger and better and improve habitats, I think that's a perfectly acceptable thing. Okay. Um. Okay. Um, so what we see time after time after time is the negative conservation impact of hunting, whether it's lions or elephants or any number of other species, and the need for the government agencies filled with these smart biologists to do something about it. Why wait until wolves are depleted and bears are depleted and lions and elephants are depleted? Let's take a precautionary approach and ensure that hunters do not contribute to the decline of these species rather than have this yo-yo conservation where we allow them to recover and then hunt them back to the verge of okay. Go ahead, Anthony I'm in agreement with Adam. No one, no hunter wants numbers to come up and then they crash again and and wipe them all out. That's not not what's wiped these animals out in the first place. It was unregulated market hunting, commercial hunting, loss of habitat. We want the numbers to continue to grow. I would love wolves to expand their range, but the truth is we don't live in a country that was like it was 100 years ago. There's not going to be wolves here in New York as much as many of us would maybe want them. It's not going to happen. People won't support it. Livestock won't support it. Farmers won't support it. It won't happen. And the habitat is not there. It's too fragmented. I'm John Donvan. Questions from the audience and the results of tonight's debate still to come on Intelligence Squared U.S. Are you hunting for a new website? Because building a website can be tough, even if you do know your way around coding. Creating something that looks good and works well is a time-consuming affair, whether it's for a business, a portfolio, a restaurant, or whatever else. In this day and age, you probably need one anyway. Well, lucky for us, Squarespace makes it easy to build beautiful websites without breaking a sweat. Squarespace provides simple, powerful, and beautiful websites that look professionally designed, regardless of skill level, no coding required. Not only does Squarespace provide you with intuitive and easy-to-use tools to create your website with, they also have state-of-the-art technology, powering your site to ensure security and stability. And you know you can trust in Squarespace for your website needs when millions of people and some of the most respected brands in the world trust in them too. You just can't beat the ease and simplicity. Squarespace provides you with 24-7 online support and a beautiful website. So what are you waiting for? Start your trial with no credit card required and start building your website today. When you decide to sign up with Squarespace, make sure to use the offer code Intelligence Squared to get 10% off your first purchase and to show your support for Intelligence Squared U.S. debates. 
I want to remind you that we are in the question and answer section of this Intelligence Squared U.S. debate. I'm John Donvan, your moderator. We have four debaters, two teams of two, debating this motion, Hunters Conserve Wildlife. If you raise your hand, right down in front. Brian Gaysford, I'm very involved with lion conservation. I got kind of upset when I heard you say what, that once at Cecil, the old lion, how come you think that that lion was over the hill when he was bringing in so much money for conservation? To Catherine Semser. Because as a conservationist, Given the state that we are in right now, I can't focus on one lion. I have to focus on the whole population. And we can invest tons of energy and resources into mourning Cecil. That's not going to bring him back, and it's not going to do anything to conserve the lions of southern Africa. The fact that these are old animals, I mean, this is crazy. Who's out there aging the animals and who's assessing? And what's a post-reproductive lion anyway? I mean, they're able to, to have reproductive activities until a, a ripe, healthy old age. If we look at the wildlife agencies of African nations, if we look at the wildlife agencies of all of the states in the United States, all agencies that support hunting and recognize its value to conservation, these agencies are the world's greatest brain trust of wildlife biologists. These people know what they're doing, and we're not saying trust us. We're saying trust them. Thank you. Another question? Ma'am, right there. Joyce Friedman, I'd like to know very literally, the word conserve means save. How is killing a living being or members of that population saving them? Sure. I think you answered it in your question. It's about the population. It's not about the individual animal. That's what conservation is, is to build up a healthy, balanced ecosystem full of biological diversity and plants. And one animal will not change that. The fact is, animals die all the time. We die all the time. There's natural predator and prey cycles. What matters is the overall biological health and the sustaining of the levels of the population. If the population goes down, you're right. That's not conserving it. The goal is for the population to go up. Adam Roberts? Well, with due respect, that's completely wrong. One animal... One animal does make a difference. That animal makes a difference to the family system. That animal makes a difference to the ecosystem. We talk about post-reproductive males. Are these animals over six years old? The bottom line is the one word that they haven't used is infanticide. When you kill the male of the pride, another male comes in, and that male will kill the infants in order to stake his territory. That is doing damage to the entire population, not just the one animal that the trophy hunter took. That is a danger to the family system. And... And second of all, with the ecosystem, let's not forget my my friend and conservationist Ian Redman talks about gorillas and elephants as the architects of the forest because they engage in seed dispersal. And without them, the ecosystem is damaged. Let me let – it's a very cogent point. I want to hear how your opponents respond to it. Do you concede that point or – It certainly does happen. But again, we need to listen to the scientists. They have concluded that, yes, that will happen, and maybe that is a moral issue and that is an ethical issue, and we can debate that in another forum. But what those scientists have determined is, is that is not a conservation issue. Let me take it, it is not you, something that let affects me take the it to overall your population. It's not a conservation. It's a moral and ethical issue, but then in the, in the larger picture of conservation, that it's not a, it's not a determinant factor. When you, when you take out one animal from a small population and then you have the ripple effect of the social consequences of another animal coming in, of course it has a conservation effect. But this whole notion that somehow they're relying on the scientists, the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service stopped trophy imports from Tanzania and Zimbabwe recently. They're stopping just about all of the lion killing. 
Those are the scientists. Who are the other scientists you're talking about? Those are the people. Catherine responding to your opponents, basically saying that the scientists have switched their position on this. Not on the broad question of do hunters conserve wildlife. The International Union for the Conservation of Nature just sent a briefing paper to the European Parliament. The IUCN is the largest network on the planet of independent conservation scientists. They agree with Anthony and I. Now, scientists might disagree on very specific things, whether to hunt lions or not to hunt lions. There's a debate right now within the agency about what's called enhancement uh, permits. If the range nations in Africa can show that the hunting of lions will help the overall population, the Fish and Wildlife Service may very well let some of those imports in. We have a question from Twitter. Are there non-lethal ways to control wildlife population? Well, ecosystems are self-sustaining. I mean, they're natural decimating factors that limit the growth of populations. I mean, they're density-dependent species where you know, lack of access to food or space or mates. Look at national parks in the United States. Every national park in the U.S., with the exception of one, forbids trophy hunting and forbids sport hunting entirely. All right, let me just take the question to the other side. Are there non-lethal ways to control populations? Uh, There's been no proven way for um, humans, a non-lethal way to control populations, that's cost-effective. Birth control, contraceptives, that sort of thing. Uh, we don't live in a one giant national park. Um, not everything has that intact ecosystem. The fact is there's a lot of people in this world, and it's growing every day. This habitat is cut up by roads. The habitat won't support predators. It cannot just be left to its own. It absolutely cannot. So hunters have always been a part of that. We are a natural predator. We are a natural part of that ecosystem and always have been for the history of both humans and animals. And when it's done in the right way, it's an absolutely effective and valid way. Right down in the front. You've mentioned twice that uh, we are natural uh, predators of animals through the ages. Uh, But through the ages, haven't we killed animals for food and uh, self-protection? And now isn't it predominantly only for sport? No, it's much more complicated than that. There's, there's a lot of reasons to hunt. You know, sport, sport is one of them, but I kill animals for food, and I, the majority of American hunters do. Every state and province in the United States and Canada has rules about harvesting the meat. Um, to me, I'm a locavore. I like to know where my food comes from. Um, I like to know that my meat is organic, that it's been free-range, that it's lived a humane life. And for me, there's no better way to know that through hunting. Um, I'm very proud when I feed my family that meat. That's why I grow a garden. I can go to the green market. Sure, I could go to the grocery store. But that connects me to the natural world in a much deeper way. And I think that's a very valid reason. So, may I? I? (laughs) And again, bringing this back to the motion, the motion is hunters conserve wildlife. And somehow we've gotten off on this tangent about hunting for food. Well, I would remind everybody that it's not just about what Anthony does. Think about people in Africa who kill animals for food. It's called bushmeat. And they're absolutely destroying the forests in Central Africa of gorillas and great apes and elephants and dikers and other animals for food. Those are hunters and they are destroying wildlife populations in Africa for food. They're not conserving wildlife. I'm going to look for one last question. Sir? Um, my name is Steve F. Timiatis. Um, for the against team, I would ask you a question. Um, if Teddy Roosevelt, instead of managing hunting, let's say he outlawed it, 
If there was no money coming in for conservation programs, where would we be today? How would we be funding? How would Africa be funding their conservation programs without hunting? hunting? Okay, that's a great question. Yeah. Well, Teddy Roosevelt was, was an architect of the National Wildlife Refuge System, and even as an as a inveterate hunter, he thought that there should be places where there was no hunting, and National Wildlife Refuges were set aside as refuges. It's only because of political lobbying that places called refuges are now somehow hunting uh, grounds. On the broader issue of license fees, you know, there are so many different ways that we can monetize appreciation of wildlife. And many states, because of declining revenue for hunting, take general funds uh, for the purpose of uh, supporting wildlife. And most of the endangered species programs come from those general funds, not from hunting uh, dollars at all. Catherine Mercer. You know, Wayne's hitting on something that I think is really important. The budgets for state wildlife agencies is declining, and that is a huge problem for every single one of us in this room who cares about wildlife. And there are other ways to monetize the enjoyment of wildlife. Something that the sportsman's community, you know, has long supported is expanding the excise tax beyond firearms and ammunition to include things like kayaks and binoculars and tents and backpacks. And it's been really hard to get that through Congress, expanding that excise tax, because there are other ways that we can monetize the enjoyment of wildlife. Okay, we're coming down to the end of this round, and what we're going to do, we call this the volley round, and in two minutes we take on one question. It goes back and forth four times to each debater in turn, And they have only 30 seconds uh, to answer the question. At the end of 30 seconds, a bell rings, and they have to stop and let the other side start speaking. I'm going to tell you what the question is now. The question for our volley round is, wildlife would be worse off if legal hunting did not exist. I'll repeat it. Wildlife would be worse off if legal hunting did not exist. I'm going to start with this side, and I'm going to start with you, Anthony Licata. Your 30 seconds starts now. Yes, wildlife would be worse off if hunting didn't exist. Wayne has mentioned um, the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service several times. The U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service has said repeatedly it's the funds generated by hunters that allow them to do their work and to manage wildlife habitats. They have said that hunters are the reason why we've gone from 10,000 elk to 120,000 elk. They're the reason why that have driven this great success of uh, great game populations that benefit all animals all across the state. Adam Roberts. <laughs> well, perhaps I could say incorrect 30 times over, but uh, no, wildlife would be better off if there was not legal hunting. I think I've used a number of examples from the Florida black bear to the wolves in Yellowstone that clearly show that even if hunting is lawful, there is still an impact on populations. And we can look throughout conservation history and see where time and time again that is the case. Remember, the example of the lion in Africa is of lawful hunting for 35 years that nearly decimated the population. That's not about poaching. Those are legal hunters. Catherine Semser. It would certainly be worse off. Again, the World Wildlife Fund report showed that in the absence of hunting, 74% of wildlife conservancies in Namibia would not be financially solvent. This is homes to elephants, lions, giraffes, all turned over to raising cattle. Is that really what we want? Or do we want those lions, those elephants, those giraffes? So not only hunters can enjoy being out in the wilderness with them, but phototourists as well. Wayne Paselli. 
Morning doves, uh, dozens of birds would be better off if uh, they weren't shot for target practice. Um, Wolves would be better off if they weren't shot uh, for their heads. Uh, You know, hunting is going to be around for a while. There's a deeply committed small segment of the American population that favors it. But let's not make the argument because it's untrue that somehow this is a big protector of wildlife in general. It's not. And that concludes round two of this Intelligence Squared U.S. debate, where our motion is hunters conserve wildlife. And now we move on to round three, closing statements by each debater in turn, here making his closing statement in support of the motion, hunters conserve wildlife, Anthony Licata, editor-in-chief of Field and Stream. I hope you'll vote yes on tonight's proposition because I think we've demonstrated with some simple, unassailable facts how sport hunting has and continues to conserve wildlife. Hunters continue to generate a billion dollars a year. They preserve tens of millions of acres of critical habitat. They've helped hundreds of species. I don't think those are any numbers to laugh at. But I'd like to close by talking about a more personal relationship between predator and prey. In Field and Stream, over the last 10 years, we've profiled about 150 regular folks who are doing exceptional grassroots conservation work. These are not biologists, they're not professionals, they're volunteers. These are people who care enough to spend their weekends building nesting boxes, installing water features on public land to help endangered animals. They work together to get different public and private groups to work together to preserve land so it remains forever wild. What these heroes of conservation have in common is their passionate love of wildlife and wild places that has been inspired and driven by hunting. It's simple. When you love something, you'll fight to protect it. I'm a backpacker. I'm a bird watcher. There's a lot of things I do outside. But for me and 37 million other people like me in this country, there's something unique about hunting, the way it connects me to a natural ecosystem. It immerses me in the natural world, and it makes me part of the system in a way that is ancient and really powerful. It makes me a participant, and it opens my eyes to how easily man can destroy it by not protecting habitat. Look, hunting's not for everyone. It doesn't need to be. It shouldn't be. That's fine. People react to different activities in different ways, but all of us need to work together to preserve habitat for future generations, and that would be much easier to do if we all work together towards the same goal. And that, more than anything, is why I hope you'll vote yes tonight. Thank you, Anthony Licata. The motion again, hunters conserve wildlife. Here making his closing statement against the motion, Wayne Pacelli, CEO and President of the Humane Society of the United States. You know, clearly there are are many broad-minded, deeply committed hunters, and they do care about the environment, and they care about uh, protecting species. But overall, as a community, if there was a deeply felt, committed, practical understanding of conservation, the hunting community would not tolerate dumping millions and millions of pounds of lead ammunition to the environment that is poisoning millions and millions of animals every year. They wouldn't tolerate exotic game hunting on fenced-in enclosures, which is horribly unsporting and inhumane, but also threatens to, to uh, unleash invasive species into our habitats that has so many ecological consequences. If they had a deep commitment to conservation, they would be right by our side in defending the Endangered Species Act from so many attacks. When we're looking at the big fights for conservation, 
when we're looking at protecting predators like grizzly bears and wolves and mountain lions and African lions, they're on the other side. So, you know, as I said, hunting is a, is a long, storied action. There are lots of people who believe in it intensely. I get it. Those who are involved in food gathering, it makes sense in so many ways for them. But let's not mistake that activity, which contributes almost nothing to conservation, as some broader socially beneficial enterprise. It's not. Thank you, Wayne Pizzelli. Our motion, hunters conserve wildlife. And here, making her closing statement, supporting the motion, Catherine Semser, CEO, COO of Humanitarian Operations Protecting Elephants. You don't have to like hunting, but you all do like wildlife. And that's what's really important. I think Anthony and I have really laid the numbers bare, the results of how hunters conserve wildlife. Individuals putting a million dollars into restoring wildlife populations over 2.5 million acres of really remote wildland. Businessmen spending $100,000 a year or more on anti-poaching patrols. A huge system that works to keep hooves and claws on the ground because that's what really matters. It's about those creatures out there. And to remove hunters from the ecosystem of conservation would be to sacrifice more than we can even imagine. So please, recognize what we've laid out and vote in favor of the motion. Thank you. Thank you, Catherine Zemser. And that motion is, again, hunters conserve wildlife. And here, making his closing statement against the motion, Adam Roberts, CEO of Born Free USA and Born Free Foundation. I have to say, at this point of the debate, I'm slightly perplexed, and I'll tell you why. Catherine said, you don't have to like hunting. And Anthony parroted that by saying, hunting is not for everyone. The motion isn't, do you like hunting or not? Do you yield food for your family by hunting? The motion is very simply that hunters conserve wildlife. And I set out at the very beginning of my remarks a very simple challenge. The very simple challenge was to explain to us all why we should simply trust that, again, politically, legally, economically, biologically, and logically, hunters conserve wildlife. Showing you that we can't trust politically that hunters are going to conserve wildlife because they're operating in places that are fundamentally lawless or filled with corruption, places like Zimbabwe or Tanzania. We talked about how legally you have people coming in and flouting laws to protect wildlife in order to get rhino horn back to Asia, fueling a market that also drives poaching in South Africa. Legally, there's no argument that hunters conserve wildlife. Economically, I laid out figure after figure, not just about what's happening in Africa, which was never refuted, but what's happening in Yellowstone with wolves and with the great uh, bear rainforest in British Columbia with bears. Not refuted. So time after time, what Wayne and I have showed you is that biologically, animals suffer, populations suffer, entire family systems and ecosystems suffer because of hunters. That is not conservation. That is the depletion of the natural world. And so at the end of the day, I put out the challenge that we can't just accept the fact that we should trust the arguments of the other side. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I would say that trust is earned, and the arguments haven't shown today at all that hunters conserve wildlife. Thank you. Thank you, Adam Roberts. And that concludes our closing statements. I have the final results now. Remember, we had you vote two times on this motion, Hunters Conserve Wildlife. You voted before you heard the arguments and again after you heard the arguments. And by our rules, it's the team whose numbers have moved up the most in percentage points 
who will be declared our winner. So let's look at the results of the first vote. On the motion, Hunters Conserve Wildlife, on the first vote, 21% agreed with the motion, 35% were against, 44% were undecided. On the second vote, the team arguing for the motion, Hunters Conserve Wildlife, from the first vote of 21%, their second vote was 26%. They went up five percentage points. That is the number to beat. Let's look at the team against the motion. Their first vote was 35%. Their second vote was 65%. They pulled up 30 percentage points, making the, argument, the team arguing against the motion. Hunters Conserve Wildlife, our winners. Our congratulations to them. Thank you for me, John Donvan, and Intelligence Squared U.S. We'll see you next time. This Intelligence Squared U.S. debate was held in front of a live audience at the Kaufman Center in New York City. Dana Wolf is our executive producer. Robert Rosencrantz is chairman. Kristen Muller and Rob Christensen are the radio producers. Damon Whittemore is the engineer. Clea Chang is chief marketing and digital officer. Chris Kamakawa is director of research. And I'm your host, John Donvan. For more information or to purchase tickets to future events, visit iq2us.org. These debates are made possible by generous contributions from listeners like you and with support from the Connor Davis Family Foundation, David A. Coulter, Van Greenfield, Thomas Campbell Jackson, Christopher W. Johnson Charitable Trust, Ilona Namath and Alan Quasha, George L. Orstrom Jr. Foundation, Jerry Orstrom, Dr. Kelly Posner Gerstenhaber, the Rosencrantz Foundation, the Mortimer D. Sackler Foundation, the Paul E. Singer Foundation, and Daniel H. Stern. From Intelligence Squared U.S., Thank you.